Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Samson Rope. Your rigging ropes aren't just tools of the trade. They do the grunt work. They have to endure dynamic loads, abrasion, and moving through hardware while keeping you safe, which is why Samson rigging ropes are specifically designed and engineered to meet the rigors of your job, the result of a legacy of over 140 years of innovation. Stable braid rigging line is the industry standard for arborists. A durable polyester double braid rope with a high strength to weight ratio, torque-free construction with UV protection. Put Stable Braid to work for you. Stable Braid from Samson, the strongest name in rope. Visit samsonrope.com for more information. This episode of the TCIA podcast is brought to you by Tree Diaper. Did you know that the normal one-year warranty on a new tree has nothing to do with tree establishment? Or that newly transplanted trees need two to five years of maintenance before establishment? It's because trees often lose the majority of their roots during the establishment process for a variety of reasons, including the expense of irrigation and the time of manual watering. Tree Diaper is a patented multifunctional plant protection system that absorbs rain or irrigation water before slowly releasing it back when soil dries. When used properly, it promotes healthy outward root growth that facilitates establishment and establishes is the long-term health of the tree. By reducing watering need, it significantly reduces the labor and water costs while increasing the survival rate of newly transplanted trees. To learn more about how Tree Diaper can help your company get ahead of proper planting maintenance for your customers and help you save time and money, visit treediaper.com. So I'm Jeff Gruy. I own Arbor Aesthetics. I started it 16 years ago. And I'm Amy Gruy. I'm Jeff's, Jeff's wife. Uh, we've been doing uh, working in the business together since 2014. And uh, we've been married since 2015. So we've actually been business partners longer than we have been married. So it's been an interesting journey that a lot of people didn't think were, was going to work out. But here we are. So we're, we're thriving together in, in life and in business. Awesome. That's awesome. Tom, you want to start off with a question? Do you want me to start off with the question? Joe, why don't you go ahead? You can start off. Okay. So I'm really curious now that you guys became business partners um, before you got married. What was that kind of process like? Just what is, I guess, what is your history together and, you know, how does the business play into it? So when I met Jeff, it was all him, um, but it was just him and uh, usually a couple of of guys working alongside him. So Jeff was just an owner operator um, doing all the bids himself in the evening and then working during the day with his crew. And I, um, at the time, was working um, in an email marketing company um, doing graphic design and email design and things like that. And that's what my background is in, is in graphic design and marketing. So um, but I'd also had office management experience and bookkeeping experience um, from some previous jobs. And so when I saw that Jeff kind of lacked some business processes, that's when I, I said, wow, I can really like help you get organized and, and take this, this thing to the next level because I could just tell right away that, with, that Jeff's passion around making trees beautiful and delivering a really high quality um, product was, um, it inspired me. And I was like, you've got something special here. I don't know anything about trees, but I do know that you have like the special sauce that can really take this to the next level. And so I just happened to see a bill from his accountant's office uh, and I ran a P&L for him for the year. And I was like, is this really 
what you're paying your accountant to do your basic bookkeeping. I was like, I don't even make that much money in a year. And so we like sat down, like I remember the day vividly, we like sat down on the couch with like a pen and paper and we're like, we're gonna write down all the pros and cons of me quitting my job and working for you. And the pros list was like, you know, the length of the sheet of paper and the cons list was like one line. And it was like, okay, if it doesn't work out, I'll just get another job. Like it, it just wasn't. It couldn't, it couldn't fail. Well, I mean, really we came down to it is like financially, this can't fail. Like worst case scenario, we're going to be okay. We're going to do it. Uh, and for the first time, Arbor Aesthetics, like Arbor Aesthetics is going to support our family. Uh, yeah, was, we weren't a family yet, but it was going to support that house. Yeah, it was house. really, it was really exciting. And, and that has kind of been, that decision was really scary, but at the same time, it was like the basis of all the other business decisions that we've made together. And the, the overarching question is, is this reversible? Is this something that can be undone? And almost nothing in life is permanent other than, you know, like having children like that. You can't reverse that, but you know, um, marriage, starting a business, buying a truck, buying land, hiring somebody, all of those things are reversible. And so it just, when I, when we looked at it that way, um, it didn't seem like that big of a risk to take that, you know, I, I liked my job, but I, I didn't have good benefits. I didn't have great pay. It was just, it was just a, a design job and, and I could find another one if I really needed to. Um, but it was like immediate that we were like, wow, this is a really good decision that we're working together. And um, we have very complimentary skills. We rarely step on each other's toes. So, it just from the beginning worked out really well for us um, where I was running all of his administrative functions. And then for the first time ever, Jeff started taking appointments with his clients. And um, that was really where things started to shift was like, we're really going to focus on the client aspect of this business. And it just grew crazy after that because of that. So that's kind of where the turning point was for Arbor Aesthetics. Amy, was it, um, you mentioned about business processes. Is that what led you to look into accreditation? Yes. You wanted to put some accredit, some business processes in place? Yes, I love processes. Um, that is my gift. And I feel like I've really, um, I've been able to identify like, not just because of accreditation, but, um, but before that, you know, when I really started to develop an office staff, um, I, I found out that that's like a real gift that I have is developing, developing processes, um, efficiencies, things like that. And I'd already done that for a plumbing company that I used to work for. I kind of was their, I was their office person. I was actually running three companies at once and I wanted to move on to a different job and realized that nobody knew how to do my job. Nobody, nothing was documented. And the owners, I didn't want to do that to the owners. I didn't want to just leave with all those processes in my head and not on paper. And so I developed um, an office procedures manual for them so that they could, uh, I could leave with, without a guilty conscience that I was just, you know, just leaving them in the dust, um, not able to run the everyday functions of their business. So that was my first, like my first go at recording those processes. And uh, I did the same thing for Arbor Aesthetics back in 2018 uh, when we, I was pregnant with our second child and I really wanted a maternity leave. I did not get one with our first son who was born in 2016. And I was like, I'm not doing that again. I deserve some time off. And I'm just going to put my nose to the grindstone and record every process that we have and put it to paper so that I can be left alone for a couple of months.
of course, I, I still worked because I just like to work. But, you know, when your business is your baby, you can't really set it aside <laughs> for any length of time. Yeah. So when, when did you first learn about accreditation or how did you first hear about it, that process? In, in 2015, we attended our first winter management conference in Cabo. I'm going to let you talk, Jeff. I swear. <laughs> okay. <I'm sorry>. <laughs> so so in, we, we went to our first winter management conference in Cabo and uh, we attended like the accreditation breakfast. Um, and we got the folder and it was like the old school accreditation folder with like a compact disc in it, um, <laughs> uh, which is quite different now. But yeah, that was my, my first like go at like really just mingling with people who were running like really legitimate tree companies. It was like our first like exposure to um, that caliber of, of, you know, tree business. And I, I was intimidated, really intimidated. Like we're, we're just like small peanuts compared to these people. We're standing next to like, you know, save a tree and um, like companies of that size. And here we are like, we had like five employees, I think at the time. So it was very intimidating, but it gave me a vision of where we could go. And that I think at the time, you know, we weren't married yet, we had no kids, but I was doing everything in the office all by myself. And there was no way I was ever going to be able to tackle all of that on my own. So it was not the right time for us to begin, begin checking off all those boxes um, that, that came later. As part of that, did you recruit people to help you with the accreditation once you decided to do it? Or was it just you and Jeff that tackled it? It was largely Amy that tackled the accreditation. And along the, like a lot of it got tackled. So we focused on, we also joined another group at that time called EO Entrepreneurs Organization. And we were learning how to scale and grow our business from um, like everything that we started to think about, we were starting to think about documentation. If we're doing this, can we scale this? And so as we grew to be better business owners, I think it was what about, it was about a five-year process that we did this and we scaled to a million dollar company and a $2 million company. And it was at that point where we circled back around and started the accreditation process and realized we had done, already done a lot of these things. Um, and so we were 75% of the way there. And then the last bit of it, was that was a lot of the next processes that are going to keep us from having a truck flip over or somebody get electrocuted as we add crews as we grow add more people add more crews to be able to know what everybody is doing for me to know what everybody's doing is going to be impossible so having those systems processes in place um, doing uh, the dot check every morning is really what's going to be necessary for us to scale with scale safely, scale without the wheels coming off the bus, so to speak. To answer your question, Tom, did I recruit anybody to help? It was, it was me and Jeff. It was primarily myself, but I would say we could not have done it. I could not have done any of it without leaning on the network of people and the relationships that we've built through the TCIA. So that first winter management conference in 2015, um, we started to, to make some friends and really uh, kept in touch with those people over the years. And, and we've been able to attend about every other year winter management, but um, just been able to attend the expo most years. And so we get to see those people and without them, without leaning on those people and asking lots of questions, the people that have already gone through the process, I wouldn't have been able to do it. 
some, some of it just took these people looking at me and saying like, Amy, get out of your own way. Like you're, you're focusing way too much on, on minutia and you need to just, just get it done and stop trying to make it perfect on your first go. It, it, Amy struggles yeah. with just letting it be good enough and needing to make it her own. So I mean, a lot of this stuff was essentially already done for us, but Amy really did it. So it was done well and it was made our own. We've got a lot of really good friends who have been really generous with their with their time. Um, I think that that's when Jeff and I talk to other tree companies and, and tree companies that are smaller than us, you know, that where we were five years ago, that's what we talk about the most is really building relationships with other people and and also being generous with your own time. And, and the more that you put into those relationships, the more you get out of them. And it's just, um, there's just a lot of mutual respect and, um, and wisdom just flowing back and forth between us and other companies all over the U.S. And we're very grateful to have the TCIA to facilitate that for us. We wouldn't be where we are at all without our membership in TCIA. And in fact, um, this all started with my first expo back in 2013, where I went, I mean, I was this, you know, single guy with two or three other employees i'd never worn chaps i did wear a helmet but i, I remember we there was this safety talk that they had there <laughs> where um they were, were going around in a circle my buddy and i both from omaha we were like have you ever worn chaps i'm like no i don't wear chaps i think it's kind of overkill we both agreed the chaps were definitely not necessary a little overkill and this guy across the table from us an, an old pro kind of a rough old guy but uh, an old pro man, he just reamed us. Like, what are you set guys? you straight? He <laughs> set us straight. What are you guys even doing here? You're an embarrassment. And it was a huge wake up call. And my took for what I took from my that whole first expo was, yeah, you know, how to how to cut as many. Like, I was a tree service, I did quality work, but how many corners can I cut? How cheap can I bid? Because that's the it's the only way I'm gonna sell a job is if I'm the low bidder. And what I realized was if you know, if I want to end up broken and broke and spiritually bankrupt in 15 years, I can keep doing that and be like so many of tree guys that are out there. Or I can be like these other guys that I that I see that are running these large successful companies and they clearly have money and they don't look, they look like they're enjoying themselves. Well, being legit and uh, doing everything by the book where safety is a priority and you charge a high price um, it was this huge wake-up call, and I just saw the vision for our company and where we were going. I mean, it was that moment, that first expo experience that sent me down the path that has taken us to where we are today. So you mentioned company culture, and, and that definitely was something I wanted to touch on, because it looks like you guys, I, I did take a peek at your social media, and you guys do a really nice job with, with your social media, and it looks like you put a lot of effort into developing your company culture and your core values I guess I, you know, relating that to accreditation, do you feel it's important to show your commitment to being a professional safety conscious company that comes with being accredited going through that process? Do you think it's helped you to develop your company culture? I think that there, I would say no, but I would say that the two are definitely related. We had a great culture before we were accredited. Sure. But all of us working toward accreditation, because like, yeah, I, maybe I checked all the boxes off and I facilitated all of the accreditation process, but it took buy-in from the, the whole company. And, and I had to, you know, get some feedback from Jeff and from the crew and from the people that were actually going to have to be going out and doing these, these things that I, that are required of being accredited. I had to ask them, how can I make this work for you? Because 
it, it, there's one thing for me to sit in my office and type up a manual, but if it's not something that you're actually going to read and utilize, and you're not actually going to follow this training, this training process, then it's all for nothing. And so um, I think pulling people in at times to get their feedback and, and figure out how I could make this accreditation process work for them and, and to get the most benefit from it. I think that that certainly um, our culture benefited from that and that everybody kind of felt like they were working toward it together. Um, and it wasn't just something coming from the top down. And, you know, now I'm just giving you these extra checklists that you have to do. And now you're going to spend 15 more minutes in the morning, you know, getting ready before you take off. And um, that, that can be really tricky. And um, especially coming from the quote office lady. Uh, <laughs> mm. um, so your question was, did accreditation help us facilitate our culture or is that, can you be more? Clear? I guess my question is, do you think it's helped you guys further develop your company culture? You know, that sure. they, they sure. see I that mean, you've, you've gone through that process and it's important to you to be a professional company. I, I would say it's another layer on top of culture. Our culture is independent of whether we are a tree company or a plumbing company but it's allowed us to define the type of people that we are, what our values are. We hire and fire based on that. And because we have these, the right people who are aligned with us, we're all rowing in the same direction. When Amy and I present, like we're, we're doing something new here, we're trying something new and we're asking more of you, we get more buy-in from it. And it, versus if we just, we're, if we were just hiring guys off the street, even if they could do the job, but had, different values, different opinions, different uh, approaches to tree work in life, getting buy-in from all these guys would be impossible. But yeah, TCIA has, because we have alignment in vision and values, we are able to get buy-in from them when we say, we need you to start documenting these things. We need, we're asking more of from you because it's gonna keep you safe, because it's gonna allow us to grow, because um, you know, this is the pain of discipline rather than regret because your equipment isn't going to break down while we're on the job site, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's, um, the culture has enabled us to have the trust from the guys so that when we say we need you to do this, they may sigh or roll their eyes, but they're going to do it. And then in time, they see the results, they see the benefits, they believe it and they buy in. I think that, that it's it's a really good, it, it shows that our, our commitment to um, making this, you know, an exceptional place to work. Um, there are a lot of tree companies in Omaha and uh, only one other one is accredited. And our being accredited is, is just a commitment to their safety, a commitment to their continued development. You know, we don't just, we, we walk the walk when it comes to you know, we tell people you're going to come work here and you're going to become a better person and we're going to help you. We're going to coach you and, and help you get to the next level. And we don't just say that we mean it. And accreditation um, gives us a, a bit of a, a start of a roadmap to how we can follow through with those commitments to them. I would definitely call it a beacon to other future employees, potential employees in terms of this is the quality of company that we are. We, I mean, the company that's accredited has its act together. You just, you can't be a, a, a disorganized, unprofessional company and be accredited. Not to say we're never disorganized. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is perfect. <laughs> right. I did find it interesting, you guys, it looks like you share your, your finances with your employees. You know, you're kind of an open book. We do. 
did you guys have any concerns with that or what, what drove you to, to want to do that? So we, we're, as I mentioned, we're in this organization, entrepreneurs organization, and a mentor of mine, a mentor who has a phenomenally successful company, $100 million organization. Um, he has an open book policy with his employees and was an advocate for it and discussed how well it works. And we bought into it. We have nothing to hide. And we found it really valuable for the guys to begin to understand um, how this business works. You know, you're going out and you're doing $3,500 of work in a day, that that $3,500 does not stay in the business. You know, uh, if it's tree work, maybe 10 or 15% of that is, is staying in the business, maybe a little bit more, but like it's, you cost money, the equipment costs money, like getting them to have a bigger picture. So when we come and talk about safety or all of the other things that go along with it, they don't have this myopic view of how does this just affect me? Well, you're not the, um, only part of this business. We are balancing a lot. And one of the things we're balancing are the finances, the books, how much does all this cost? Uh, and so when we ask you to pay attention to time, this is why. I mean, when we make money, we run a better business. Um, you need to be mindful of your time. And when you're doing well for the company, we're making money, we can treat you well and give you a raise and bonuses and all the other fun things about working at Arbor Aesthetics. Because this culture is dependent upon a really a profitable company. We can't do this if we're broke. It takes time, it takes money, it takes energy, effort to make a great place to work at. I'm always really impressed by the engagement that we get when we do um, when we share our books. So we do a quarterly meeting, um, and it's usually paired with like some sort of team building or leadership. Um, you know, educational something or another. Sometimes we bring in an outside speaker. Sometimes we do an activity or watch a video. Um, but when we share the books, I'm always just amazed at how engaged the crew is in their thoughtful questions. And they are really genuinely interested in, in um, seeing those numbers change and improve over time and, and understanding like, okay, yeah, that fuel, like here's how much we spent on fuel last year, but diesel prices were way up. Um, but, you know, as a percentage of, income it actually went down and so you guys are you this is this is your efficiency working it's working and so it, it lets them see that these F, these small changes that we're asking them to make to build a more profitable company actually work and um, for them to know that they have control over things like um, yeah you weren't supposed to be on the neighbor's driveway and you know we spent a thousand dollars to clean up the hydraulic leak uh, on that person's driveway that you shouldn't even have been there on the, on the first place, that those little things add up over time and they do have a direct impact on our bottom line. And I think that really empowers them. And, and one of our company core values is ownership. And it's not only taking ownership for your actions, but we want them to treat this business like it's their own and that they have agency and that they have an understanding of, of where they fit into this um, complex puzzle. I, mean, I think it's a great idea, but uh, I do think other companies are reluctant to do it. They they don't think they need to, or they don't think they should do it. But my you know, I think it's be, yeah. My advice would be to try it and just just give it a try. Do it for a year and start small. You don't have to share everything. Yeah. Um. It's you don't need to share owner's compensation or anything like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, you don't. But um, it, you can. You can. Um. I would say, unless you have something to hide, 
there's no reason not to, because one of the things that's definitely engendered is trust. Uh, they don't, I mean, they can see where it's all going and what we don't, what, what we don't tell somebody, they're going to come up with a story in their own mind. And it's probably not going to be flattering to me or to Amy or to the company. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I would just say, unless you're hiding something, share it because it's going to be better than the story that they're telling themselves. I just love that. that, well said. We that. Yep. I, I just love that we get to share, share just how our business runs and um, build business acumen in our employees. You know, they ask questions like, okay, why is it like that grapple saw crane that we bought last year? Where is the payments on in this expense report? And I'm like, well, that's not actually an expense. Let me explain to you the difference between a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet. And in, I don't know, maybe it goes over their head, but I really don't think it does. I think they really want to understand, you know, what, why cash flow is important to us. And, you know, with the seasonal nature of a business, an outdoor company, you know, in the Midwest, why that's important for us to, um, to have that positive cash flow in the winter when, when work slows down. It's, it's a joy to me to see them engage and be curious and, and wonder, Hmm, I wonder how I can, I wonder how I can contribute to this. And, and I'd say, I don't know that this would work with every tree company out there. It works. This goes back to culture. It works because we've defined our culture and we have worked for years hiring the right people for this culture. I mean, and it's been a five plus year process getting to the point where we are now, where we have these people five, six years ago, it was, this would not have worked five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, as part of culture, I know you guys are involved with your community too. And how important do you think that is for the growth of your company and the culture that you've developed? I think our first community event that we ever really did was the Earth Day tree, tree climb. climb. Yeah. We haven't been able to do it for the last two years because of the pandemic, but that was that was a lot of fun. I think tree climbing is not really something that people know much about. When I met Jeff, I was like, you do what for a living? Like you you climb trees like like what like I don't understand. How do you make money climbing trees? What do you mean? Because um, that's what he said he did. He said he climbs trees, and so I think this just opens up people's. It, 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 I should give some background on this Earth Day tree climb. Um, so this tree climb, uh, it, it's in conjunction with Earth Day Omaha. So a company comes in, they you know they handle the insurance waivers, they provide the the helmets and the harnesses and children and adults alike get to ascend into this giant, awesome state champion swamp white oak tree. And that was our first community uh, event. And we used to give away our, our company shirts that say tree hugger on them. And that was, that was really fun to get our name out there, but to do something that really promotes community and helps people to feel connected to, to trees and realize how important trees are um, to a community. So um, we've been involved with that um, for the last six years, I think. And then as our, as our company started to make more money and become more profitable, I really felt, I felt a need to, to give back in some way. And a lot of our clients you know, don't necessarily struggle with being able to afford proper tree care, but so many people in our community do. It's not just a matter of having a nice looking tree. A, a lot of the times it comes down to safety. And so we, we've got a lot of parts of town that just are just full of, of hazardous dying trees and who's gonna pay for that? 
um, it, it's impossible. I have no idea that a, a hazardous tree removal can cost upwards of you know twenty, thirty thousand dollars if you have to involve a crane. And so I, I thought we've got to we've got to help you know some of these people. We can't we can't do it all, and we maybe we can't remove a, a twenty thousand dollar dying cottonwood for free, but we can do something. And Oh, I have it on my little sign right here on the wall. The meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. Um, and nice. I think that Jeff has a gift. And I think that our company, if we have the ability to, to make an impact in our community and it's, it doesn't really cost us that much in the grand scheme of things to spend a day with a crew at somebody's house who's got you know hazardous trees or it's just an eyesore to their neighborhood we can afford to help that person out. And it is a really amazing to me how impactful that can be on that person's life. That like to us, it's just a tree, but to them it's hope. And it's the idea that somebody's looking out for you and it could be a neighbor, it could be a family member, but this is a, a program where people nominate another person to have their trees taken care of by us. And I think just how it's very impactful just to know that others are looking out for you and care about you. And we had like a family, I think it was three years ago, going through a really, he was going through a really hard time as his wife um, had committed suicide. And we showed up on his property and he's basically got like a forest in his backyard, but very dangerous um, things hanging over his house and his yard where his dogs uh, ran. And we found out from his mother several months later that that was a real turning point in his life. That when we came out and we, we did that for him, that just to relieve that small burden from him, that he didn't know how he was gonna manage that, the expense of that, um, that we just took that off his plate for him, that turned it, it helped turn his life around. I can't claim that I, you know, I turned it around completely, but it sparked something in him. An and, act of kindness did, yeah. yeah. Right. And I, I, so I think you had asked the question, how is this, I don't think that there's a great, I don't know that there's a great awareness of our community involvement, but uh, the people that we've touched certainly do appreciate it. And the guys that are a part of it really appreciate it. It's one of the things that they love about working here. Um, and, our, and our intention with the gift, the program she was just talking about was Gift of Beautiful Trees. It's a nomination program every, every holiday season. But our hope is in the coming years is, I mean, there's only so much that we can give away as, as a single company, but there are a lot of tree services in Omaha. We'd love to see that become, you know, a, a citywide event where we can get dozens of tree companies that will contribute something to a family that otherwise can't afford it. And that will make an impact, certainly more than the little bit that we can do. I saw you guys also do like the, uh, the chip drop program. Is that something you, that you've started recently? Oh yeah, we participate in chip drop. Um, we also do chips for, uh, we drop off chips for community gardens, which, which I love because otherwise we are, uh, we pay to dump our chips and then they get processed and dyed and then sold. And I would love to not be a part of that process. I'd love to get those, the, you know, what we would consider waste to organizations that can actually use that. So um, so we've got a few community gardens in, in the area that call us every year for wood chips. But we love chip drop, man. That's awesome. And that saves us a lot of money too. Um, I, I don't know what the what the dump fees are, you know, or across the U.S. But here they're pretty low. But it's kind of a um, 
a monopolized program here and we have no control over that cost and it just keeps going up and up and up. So anything we can do to divert that waste is, is beneficial to everyone. Yep. I said, there'll be a mulch program coming from us in the next three to five years, probably. But until then, chip drop as much as we can. Yeah. Um, I got to ask this question because it just seems like I should ask it about COVID. You know, how, how has that affected your business and has it changed your outlook or your plans going forward? You know, are you, are you changing any, anything with your business because of what you've learned during COVID? COVID for us, like for pretty well every tree service in the country, I imagine was an absolute boon. Um, we had more business than we had ever imagined. We grew 40% last year. It's, we've already far surpassed what we've done last. I mean, so we're continuing on that growth trajectory. Reason being my hypothesis behind it is, you know, our clients are people who already have money and they had more cash sitting around because they weren't traveling. They weren't going to the game. They weren't going to the bar or the restaurant. They're at home spending more money at home. Um, and we think that that will continue to be a really great, that'll be a great benefit to our industry at least for another year and probably tapering off after that as things go back to normal. But with a greater work from home um, environment that we're gonna have, I think more attention is gonna be placed on spending, taking care of your residential trees. We were very lucky in Nebraska. Our, um, we, we never really had like a full shutdown here in Nebraska. We were really lucky that uh, we didn't have to, you know, decipher whether or not we were an essential uh, business. We just didn't have to deal with that. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, it put a lot of pressure on us to, you know, have to make that call. You know, do we, what's considered essential? Do we stop um, some of our plant healthcare services? Do we, do we cancel all of the jobs that aren't considered essential? Because we do a lot of aesthetic pruning. We're Arbor Aesthetics. So we didn't ever really have to change, you know, what the type of work that we were doing because of COVID. But one thing I think that one thing, you know, as part of our sales process is that we try to meet with every client and having everybody work from home, particularly our clientele who, well, a lot of them already do work from home or they have flexible schedules where they can come home and meet with an arborist. But um, having people home more uh, certainly helps close the deal. I'm sure Jeff can speak more to that. Yeah, you know, so one benefit was the scheduling didn't have to be quite as rigid. If the appointment was at 2.30, if I was running ahead and it was 1.45, they were home. So I, I could be more efficient with my time. Masks, I miss, I don't like the masks just because I don't like wearing masks. And I miss the handshakes. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a return to some of that normalcy. And, and hopefully sure. people will be home more too. So I would say COVID what, uh, affected our business mostly in, in the culture department. That a lot of... Um, fun that we had as a crew, like with barbecues and, and recreational climbs outside of work, all of those get togethers that we normally did that really helped build camaraderie here, we couldn't do because of COVID. And at some point, we had to start doing birthdays again, like we had to start bringing the cupcakes back. Because those little things matter a lot to our to our crew. And it's not just the cupcakes. It's it's the cupcakes are somewhat of a metaphor for um, the way that we show up for our employees and, and we make it, we make them feel like we, well, we don't just make them feel this way. They are important to us. They're very important to us. 
And so we've slowly kind of brought some of those things back. We obviously try to have them outside if possible. Um, but like the meetings was, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. meetings and um, we, we do it outside as often as possible. But yeah, in the winter, you know, we had to be a lot more careful with things like breakfasts during our quarterly meetings. And our holiday party was virtual, which was fun, but I hope we don't ever have to do it again because <laughs> our company holiday party every year is just a total blast and everybody looks forward to it. So let's hope this year it's in person. <laughs> I think it'll be in person this year. We can all we can only hope. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll bring I'll bring it back to accreditation. If if you guys, you know, thinking about going through that process, do you have any thoughts or recommendations that you would give to other companies going through it or considering going through it? Any tips or anything you can you can think of to to recommend? My advice is to um, maintain momentum. I think momentum is key. And the way that I maintained momentum was that I broke down everything into teeny, teeny, tiny little steps that some of those line items on your checklist, it might be one sentence, but it could be a month of work when you think about it, um, like in terms of developing a safety program or a training program. And so I like, I've got this giant marker board um, in our office and I just wrote down what is the next tiny little thing I need to do to just keep moving forward in the process? Because I felt like when I would get stuck that I would just totally disengage and then it would take me days, weeks to re-engage in the, into the process. And so if I could just keep those little wins coming and like I said earlier, just getting out of my own way with my perfectionism that you can always refine this later. It's not like you become accredited and then you never look at it again. That's exactly opposite this of what it should This is the start. This is the beginning. You're not done. This is the beginning. Yes. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's great. So yeah, just really rely on your relationships with other tree companies that everybody is here to help each other. And I love TCIA because you know, all that information and, and, and uh, those business secrets aren't guarded because you're, you know, talking to people in other markets. And so it doesn't matter to them if they share their, their secrets. Um, it's, it's not a secret. Uh, everybody wins. And there's just so much to be said about sharing your wisdom with others. Don't reinvent the wheel. There's no need to. Like if somebody else has figured it out, take it, modify it for, your, for yourself. Um, but yeah, don't get stuck in perfection. Get get it done it can be modified perfected later and there are a lot of great apps out there that help facilitate doing all everything we need to do for accreditation like azuga and what are some of the others that oh slate pages slate was pages. one that we use for our dot inspection checklist so what a time to be alive i mean <laughs> to yeah. not have to use like paper logs for everything and um to be able to use technology i think has made our crew it's helped our crew buy in for sure that we're not giving them more paperwork that if we can make something just a little bit easier using an app on their phone that um that we're, we're going to do it. And I think that they respect us for, for trying to make their lives as easy as possible. That's interesting. Um, that was all the questions I had, Joe. I don't know if, if you got any follow-ups you had wanted to ask. Few, maybe one, but just trying to be cognizant of your time. I'll just, before I ask that, is there anything that you guys would like to talk about that we haven't actually been able to uh, touch base on yet? I think so. Do you? Related to this, to, uh, to anything you guys have a, a public platform at this point 
Well, I don't know that we could get into it, but I do look, uh, I'll just, you know, I really look forward to, I can't stress enough the importance of defining company culture. If you have to hire a facilitator, take a couple of days and figure out who you are as a company, um, like at your core, and then hire people based on that. I hear so many people that come to me with questions about finding the right people and for like employees and this and that. And all of it goes back to, you need to define who and what your company is. What do you stand for? What are your values? Because there's there are two accredited companies here in town, for example, ourselves and another, um, both great companies, but very different values, very different, led by very different people. His great employees and our great employees, like if they all came over here, it would not work out different fit. It's like dating. We are finding people who want to be here, who buy into who we are already. And if all you're doing is hiring for skill, then you don't know what kind of nightmare you're getting into. I mean, it's just luck in terms of whether it's going to work out or not. So, you know, hire for cultural fit and then train the rest. I know it's not as easy as that, but that's, that's the foundation of building everything else in our experiences. Who are you? And then hire people who, who want what you have. Yeah, and I want to emphasize what Jeff said about culture. It's who are you? Who are you already? What now, what do you want to be? It's not you, a wish list. It's not a wish list. And the your own personal values are going to be your, your company's values. There's no way around it. That when Jeff and I, Jeff and I did hire a facilitator to help us with this because we had written a list of values about five years ago. And of course it was like seven values long and it was wordy and it, it sounded like a wish list. You know, despite all of our best efforts to make this something like to try to define like what our personal values are, it was more of like, what do we want to, be, how do we want to be perceived? And so that's why it just wasn't working because it wasn't personal to us. It wasn't who we already were. And, you know, Jeff and I are, are come from very different backgrounds and we're different people. And so to find um, where our values overlapped uh, was something that we really, we're really glad we hired a facilitator. Um, and obviously uh, being married makes, adds a new le level of complexity to that. Um, but the facilitator was worth, um, was definitely worth the investment and, um, I think our values, they haven't changed, you know, since the two or three years ago that we did that. Um, and your values can change as you grow and develop as a business owner. Um, they might change, but chances are they, they won't. You've really nailed it. These are values that are just so um, instilled in you that they don't really change. It, it's a process of discovery. It's not a process of creation. You are discovering what is already there. But once you've written it down and you've made it clear to everyone, then it becomes a guiding light, like a beacon or a warning, you know, stay away. <laughs> <A warning>. Yeah. <laughs> the people who that's don't. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if somebody came in for a job interview and we started talking about our values and there haven't been at least a few people that started running the other direction. Um, or just didn't show up on their first day. And that's <laughs> because, perfect. And that's, that's good. Okay. Yep. It's not, we can't take that personally. Um, perhaps we've done a good job of, of making it really clear who we are and what we expect of the people that come work for us, that, that they are in alignment with us. And the people that don't fit, they, they work themselves out of the company, and not just from us, but from the crew. It's a mismatch and they can feel it. 
And it's beneficial for us and for them to find a company that fits with them. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just their values are different. They're not bad. They just belong somewhere else. And that's really good for, for them to, to find a new place to go. Well, you guys will be happy to hear we're um, talking about company culture. We are going to have a couple of sessions on that at Expo. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Exact Wonderful. Talk, the exact topic. Great. Well, we talk a lot about culture too. We don't just have it like on the wall. We weave it into our conversations every morning in our huddle. Uh, we, have a, we have our core value champions program where our employees nominate each other for exhibiting behaviors that exemplify our core values. So they nominate each other and we read them aloud every Friday and um, there we do a drawing and then there's like a cash prize. But this self-nominating program has been pretty magical for, for our crew. They're always looking out for what is good in, in each other. And they're always looking out for what are other people doing for me that maybe I am not noticing. They really have to look to see how those core values are benefiting the whole company. And it's been great for us because we get to read each one out every week and I get to discover, oh, Louie did this awesome thing the other day. Or the new guy is really coming along. And otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that. As long as we're throwing stuff out there. Uh, <laughs> what else you got, How Jeff? How long is this podcast supposed yeah, to be? Yeah, yeah, well, you're <laughs> editing. Like 15 minutes? Because I'm, no, I'm not no, sorry. No, no, <laughs> So, it, like... Nobody's going to listen to this. That, <laughs> you guys keep, yeah, you guys keep saying that, but I think you're going to be... Proved, proved wrong you've traveled the, i mean we've been where a lot of people are right i mean yeah. it's the same so i would say you know uh, a big part of all of this for us also was the book traction we've hired a professional facilitator uh traction facilitator eos so getting i mean getting your business right has been like getting our business right has been huge for us growing professionally growing in uh, our safety culture all of that i mean um, as, as you know, transitioning from one guy with two part-time helpers um, operating out of a, you know, a, a briefcase of bids to actually having a life and a profitable business, it's, it's been a process. But it's been primarily, I mean, I was a technician and I trans, transitioned into a salesman and a business owner. And, that, and it never stops. I'm not done now. I mean, we're like, as a full-time salesman, I'm not very different from a full-time tree climber. Like if I need to, I, now I need to get to the next stage where I'm working more on the business than in the business. And so if you're not growing, you're dying. And that is true. I mean, at the, at, as soon as we stop moving forward, we can plan on its uh, entropy. It's just gonna start falling apart before our very eyes. So, and you see that with a lot of businesses. Uh, so. ECIA uses uh, EOS. Okay, right, Great. right, yeah. yeah. It's a great we started we started a couple of years ago yeah it's it's been a uh, game changer for us it sure has because now jeff like we do our l10s and like jeff is actually spending time in the office with me and and, and it's uh I, I feel like i like i'm nailing him down and i get to like <laughs> i get to strategize with somebody now and it's not just just me left behind every day while he's out doing sales full time so uh, that's been huge for us. It's just that dedicated time to work on the business with each other. Yeah, for the technician, me, the technician, the tree climber that has, you know, transitioned into something else, it's, that's a tough transition. But, but I mean, it can be done. 
Joe, what do you got? What's your question? It's all very well said. No, I, I have something, but, uh, you know, now thinking about it, I'd probably like to have you guys back on so you guys could actually take a chance on going over what you were talking about for your expo topic that you want to speak on that you guys keep, you know, saying that nobody's going to listen to, but, you know. I, well, I think that's silly. I think people totally listen to it. I think. Yeah. Uh, I'll, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not sure. for the, like, what do you do when you don't love tree work anymore? How do you stay engaged with your company when, I mean, there's so many tree companies out there who are like, I'm doing this, man, but God, I'm just getting by. I just, I'm so burnt out. I don't, I mean, I don't love this anymore. And that's something that nobody talks about, but like, you know, when people really get vulnerable, I mean, I just, I want, I want to sell or I want to find a, somebody else that can run this company for me because I'm just, I'm over it, Dan. That's, that's a conversation that needs to be had that people need to talk about. Like we're all feeling it or you have felt it. Mm. Uh, it's not always great. Yeah. Poor Jeff's had both of his shoulders reconstructed and that pretty much, you know, ended his climbing career, but that how many other people are living that story? Like their bodies are just worn out. Oh yeah. Next for them. Yeah. Um, that'll be the Jeff and Amy show episode two. Yeah. I mean, if you guys, <laughs> if you guys want to do episode two, I'm more than willing to start scheduling it out already. Yeah. Well, we can, yeah, we, we can more to share for sure. Yeah. So. Therapy. We can give you some good therapists that can keep your marriage together as you run a company together. Yeah. It's not, it's not like luck that, that we, um, that we are business partners and, husband and wife it's taken you guys definitely work at it you can tell yeah it's a lot of work and a lot of effort has been put forth into maintaining those those two relationships that are really one relationship that you know we've tried to separate so many times and and ultimately it's just collapses into one and we just accept it for what it is but it's unique and it's taken a lot of effort and and we're big proponents of therapy and counseling and mental health and all of that authenticity yes and i mean and it weaves its way into our company, company culture, and we're, we've got, we're open about that with our crew too, so. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Samson Rope. Your climbing ropes aren't just tools of the trade. Your life literally depends on them. Specifically designed to endure any environment you throw at them, Samson climbing lines not only meet the rigors of your job, but are engineered to keep you safe the result of a legacy of over 140 years of innovation. Hyperclimb is a new 100% polyester 11.7 millimeter double braid climbing line engineered for both moving and stationary rope systems that run well with your hardware and Pru6. Hyperclimb's low elongation is key for long ascents and dual purpose climbing. Hyperclimb from Samson, the strongest name in rope. Visit samsonrope.com for more information.